TED Audio Collective. There are some times where it's like, uh, maybe I should just put my phone down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh my God. I think, you know? Tom, that is, you, so, that's the new tagline of this show. Maybe I should put my phone down. Wow. Yeah. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. And welcome back to Conversations with People Who Hate Me, the show where I take a negative online comment and I connect the person who wrote it to the person they wrote it about. Sometimes I speak one-on-one -on -one with people who have said mean things to me. Other times I moderate calls between strangers. Today, I'm moderating. Contrary to the word hate in the title, this is actually a very loving show where we get to know the humans on the other side of the screen. I am your host, Dylan Marin. It is really hard to pinpoint why exactly something starts trending on the internet. It's not always clear how one thing suddenly becomes such a lightning rod for conversation. That one thing that everyone wants to weigh in on for a period of 24 hours, sometimes more, sometimes less. Sometimes it's a political matter, which kind of makes sense because it's about a policy that affects people's lives, or an individual politician saying something wrong, or a group of politicians who are doing a certain thing that another group of people doesn't like. Sometimes though, or I'd say often, the trending topic comes not from politics, but culture. And every day, we come into contact with so many pieces of culture. A song, a film, a TV show, a gif, a meme, an idea, a quote, a celebrity, a product, an advertisement. It is estimated that US consumers see upwards of 5,000 ads per day. So how does just one of those ads become the thing that seemingly everyone is talking about for a period of time? It's really hard to tell, but that happened. A few months ago, Peloton, a fitness company, released a commercial for their stationary bike. In this 30-second ad, we see a husband gift his wife their signature exercise bike, and then, in montage, the wife starts filming herself using the bike, and at the end of the ad, she sits her husband down and they watch her fitness journey on their television screen together. The end. That commercial was released, and then it started trending. For a brief moment on social media, it felt like everyone was talking about this ad. Many were criticizing it, a lot of people were making jokes about it, some for the quality of the ad itself, others for the presentation of gender roles in the story, you know, how the husband buys his wife a fitness product and what that says about our expectation of women's bodies. This is, of course, the internet. So there was another wave of people criticizing the people criticizing it, then the people who took part in the ad began to speak out about their involvement, and people criticized the way they spoke out about it. Whew. I cannot interview a trending topic. I sadly also do not have the budget or time to interview every single person who made that topic trend. But I can get to know two individual people who are part of it. 
This episode is about a lot of things. It's about what it feels like to be at the center of a trending topic. It's about how we react to those trending topics and how we react to other people's reactions to those trending topics. It's about online mobs and how we understand the mission of those mobs, who we think is part of them. It's about what we identify as strength and what we identify as weakness. It's about confirmation bias and how we interpret information in a way that confirms what we already believe. You might be thinking, why does this matter? This is just an ad. Get over it. And this episode is about that too. Why does this matter? Why does a seemingly insignificant thing ignite people so much? And why do we sometimes feel ignited when we see such a nothing thing ignite other people? It is this weird phenomenon that I would say all of us are susceptible to. We join in to share our two cents about something because we see other people sharing their two cents about it, and then we end up littering the internet with millions of cents that grow digital mildew like pennies at the bottom of those wish fountains. We toss them into the social media waters, maybe it makes a splash, maybe it doesn't, we move on. But there is one person who can't move on, not because he's torn up about it, but because it is now an indelible part of his story. A person who will never forget about this, no matter how much the rest of us have forgotten about it. And his name is Sean Hunter. Hello. Oh, hey, how are you? Hey, good. How are you doing? Sean is lucky because he has a job that he loves. Thank you. Yes, I have an amazing job right now. I teach full-time physical education to a school here in Vancouver, uh, kindergarten through grade seven. It's such a pleasure to be able to teach physical education. It's something that I've grown up loving my whole life. And so to be able to do that for other kids and see the pure joy that comes from their faces, it is at the end of the day, an exhausting job, but it's one of those end of the day jobs you go, yes, I did, I did a good thing here. And it complements also the other side of me, which is the acting side of me. Okay, let's pause right here in the present day and rewind back to July of 2015. Sean had left his childhood home of Vancouver to take a teaching job in a remote town in British Columbia. He's earning money, he has a little community, the teaching experience is good, but then he has this thought. And the thought was, I need to try acting. So he moves back home to Vancouver, actualizes this thought, and things are going well. I had a little bit of money in my pocket. I uh, moved out on my own. I started to get an agent. I started to do just background work as well, so a bit of extra work, and going to class. I was auditioning, studying, and being on set, and it was a full-on dive into the deep end. Let's go. Let's just do it. If you can't already tell, Sean is an incredibly positive person. Just listen to him describe seeing fake rain on a film set. But we had to do a nighttime rain shoot, and it wasn't raining, so we did simulated rain. I'd never seen it before in Zealand. Simulated rain coming from the sky, these massive towers. But I was learning and experiencing so much about the film industry. It was a tremendous place to be in. Sean is aware of this positivity. I am a positive person, and I do... I, I love acknowledging that I'm a positive person because I think there's a power in being positive. It's all great. Everything's good. But it is hard in Vancouver to earn a living wage, of course. Like all of us, he's got bills to pay. So he finds himself at a crossroads. I had a choice. I got offered a job in the school board again. And I went, oh, no. It's a great opportunity. 
here's a full-time gym position working at a school like five minutes away from where I live. And I was like, oh dear, okay. He takes it and he's still at that job now, the one he loves so much. It all turned out great. At the same time, Sean isn't gonna fully quit acting, but he has to be responsible to his new gig, so he calls up his agent and says, I have to tell you, like, I'm a teacher. I work nine to three. I cannot just leave my gym and go to an audition. His agent gets it, sending him on auditions here and there that fit with his teaching schedule. And then one day, his agent tells him, Sean, there's a new spin bike commercial coming out. Uh, here's the script. And you just need to go to the audition for, I, I think it was an evening audition. Just go tonight and go to it. And I went, okay, great. And he goes, he does it. I thought I did fine. I forgot about it and went back, did my work. A few days pass. And then he calls me, he goes, Sean, they want you. He got the job. Yes, this is great. I get to do my passion again and I get to do it for a few days before going back to work. Sean arrives on set and it's all pretty clear cut. The plan for the commercial is simple. Sean will play the husband, and the story of the ad will go like this. It was a husband buying his wife a Peloton, and she wrote it for a year, and then they reflected back on it next Christmas. End. End scene. And that was it, right? Everybody on set read the script and went, yep, this is what we want. They filmed it. Great. Done. In the can. Finally, it comes out, and Sean watches it. It literally, Dylan was nothing. It would just... Kind of happened, I was proud of it, and I went, yep, there's me on set. I remember those moments. Okay, end of story, episode over. No, we know that's not the case. A few days pass, he goes back to the video on YouTube. And I started to notice how many downvotes it was getting. It doesn't make sense to him. But why? Like, I don't, what's wrong, is, did I do, what's, what's happening here? Is there something I'm missing? I had no idea that people could feel so passionately about a 30-second clip. The commercial then takes on a life of its own, and a lot of people are weighing in. For a brief moment, like I said, it is the thing to talk about. And they're talking about everything. The quality of the ad, the message of the ad, the perceived message of the ad. But luckily... At this point, there was no negativity directed towards me. It was just towards the commercial. In the middle of all this, a friend of Sean's who writes for the magazine Psychology Today comes to Sean with an idea. And so he goes, Sean, I would love if you wrote me about a 600-word piece on your uh, thoughts with all this negativity and your whole story. Sean takes so him up on it. He day. drafts it. He writes it. And of course, he needs some feedback. So I showed it to my roommate and he goes, yeah, this is very well articulated. This Is this how you feel? And I said, yeah, this is exactly what's been happening so far. And he's like, wow, okay, submit it. And we submitted it. And it's published. The headline reads, Peloton Husband Speaks Out. And beneath that is a subheader, actor Sean Hunter offers his view on being part of a controversial ad. The article links to his Instagram, and then suddenly, Sean looks at his phone and sees a ton of new followers. While I was receiving all these positive messages in my DMs and Instagram, a few would trickle in, and I would look at it and go, oh, that's mean. And some of it was really mean. Now, Sean's main social media spot is Instagram, and he isn't really on Twitter. But I am on Twitter, and I started seeing a lot of people share this article, some of whom were friends of mine. And this is the internet, so a lot of them were sharing it to make fun of it. The difference is that now they're not just taking jabs at an ad, but at a person. It is in this time that I reach out to Sean and ask if he'd be interested in speaking to one of these people who said something negative in response to the article. 
He says yes, but he has one request. I'm very intrigued by not knowing what they said and want to know why they said how they said it. And I want to hear that firsthand and then react to it. Yeah. Meaning he wants to go into the call not knowing who they are or what they said, which is the first time that has ever happened on this show. I'm quite excited, actually, if I could say. Yes, he absolutely can say that he's excited. And he should be. Out of the countless people on Twitter who weighed in on the newly discovered identity of the Peloton husband, there was one man named Tom who came across the Psychology Today article and commented, what a loser. I reached out to Tom and he agreed to speak with Sean on the phone. Now, as you just heard, Sean is a full three-dimensional human. But you know the vibe of this show, it's about finding out Tom's full 3D humanness too. Before I connected the two of them, I spoke to Tom one-on-one. Hey, Dylan. This is me on headset. Is this good, or do you want me to try to just take the, the headphones off? Your call. We got settled. He took off the headset so I could hear him a little more clearly, and I got to learn a little more about him. Okay. Uh, yeah, so my name's Tom Sauer. I'm 39 years old. I uh, live in Newport Beach, California. Through this, I found out that he had a background in the armed forces. I uh, worked with a lot of special operations and intelligence guys in my previous life, so to speak. I'm a former U.S. Navy explosive ordnance disposal officer. So His time in the Navy took him from the field to the office, and then... When I stopped having as much fun, and I found I got to a certain point in my career where it was really just desk jobs, uh, the Navy made a huge mistake, and they sent me to business school. Where he started (laughs) meeting entrepreneurs and business-minded folk. I just kind of realized these guys are doing really well. They're making a lot of money and they seem like they're having fun. You know, if I'm not jumping out of planes with my friends and going diving in the tropics and blowing shit up, uh, you know, I want to try something different. So So he started a business of his own, a recovery center in Orange County for drug and alcohol rehabilitation. From a business perspective, it was, it's a growing and serves a public need, but we're also actually helping people. You know, we're not just we're going an industry that I, I think is lucrative, serves a public good, but, you know, we're not just selling hot dogs. And he shared with me that the incentive behind it hit quite close to home. You know, my, my biological father died when I, uh, when I was 18 years old of a drug overdose, and he struggled with addiction his entire life. He was in and out of rehab centers. I think he was kind of passed around, for lack of a better term. And there's a lot of rehab centers there that really just only see dollar signs on you. He wanted to create a place that treated people like humans. To me, it, it kind of it, it helps me really get up in the morning. So that's Tom. And yes, Tom is a social media user with a focus on Twitter. Um, I do have fun, you know, basically, here you go, making jabs at people every once in a while because it's Twitter, which actually does take us to where the whole initiative, this this topic about this, uh, the whole Peloton thing. Like many on social media, he saw the ad. I think it was my, uh, I think it was my girlfriend who was tweeting about it. I didn't really pay any mind to the ad. I mean, granted, I I don't, I think buying a, a Peloton, like a fitness gift, for a significant other that is not specifically asked for, eh, maybe not the best choice. But I didn't think it was really all that bad. And then that's where we come to the point where it's like, you know, the the this Twitter, uh, the Peloton husband, who like maybe he's in frame for like three or four seconds, you know, in the whole in the whole thing, and then this outrage goes towards. And then Tom comes across the Psychology Today article where Sean responded to the controversy. And that's where I'm like, enough, I've had enough of this. And when I saw this, I'm like, what is this? I read through, I'm like, 
Oh, get the fuck out. Come on, man. Which Tom saw as a sign of weakness. He caved and withered to the mob. This all leads to a bigger thing that upsets him. I guess at the end of the day, it comes down to I'm sick and tired of everybody being so fucking sensitive. <laughs> so in response to the Psychology Today article, he tweeted, what a loser. Yeah, I did. I, you know, I'll tell you what, I would, I would recharacterize it as, you know, maybe not labeling him, but I think it was a, you know, it probably doesn't sound as good of a tweet, but it was a, what a, what a weak move, what a loser move, like, trust me. But he's on this show, so he's ready to talk. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I got to say there's a part of me that says, okay, hey man, I don't really think you're a loser, but I do think that that was the wrong move. And I'd be very curious to know if that was made under some sort of duress or perceived duress, or if like you really just came out and did that because you were so scared of offending anybody. I would really like to know the answer to that. We will find out the answer to that and much more when I connect Sean and Tom to each other right after this short break. If you like this podcast and you want to help support it directly, you can check out our merch store. We have brand new shirts that say Empathy is Not Endorsement, a mantra I've made for the show, and stickers that say what I say at the end of every episode, remember there's a human on the other side of the screen. Also, there's a shirt that has Rob Wilson's beautiful logo for our show on it. Check it all out at www.conversationswithpeoplewhohateme.com and click on Merch. All right, let's get back to it, and I will connect Sean and Tom right now. Hello, this is Tom. Hello, hello. We're all here. Hey, Sean. Hey, hey, good morning. Morning. So let us do this. Um, rather than jumping into exactly what we're here to talk about, I would love for you guys to get to know each other. So I guess, Sean, why don't you kick it off and um, give Tom, you know, the little bio about you? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Sounds good. So, Thomas, nice to meet you. Pleasure meeting you. Yeah, so I'm a teacher from Vancouver, British Columbia here in Canada. In this portion of the call, Sean and Tom get to know each other. But since you, listener, have already heard this stuff, I'm going to speed you up to a moment when Tom is talking about his use of the internet. Uh, I, I do enjoy Twitter a little bit. It is fun. <laughs> Absolutely. I really just use Twitter as my, uh, my news aggregator, so to speak. I'm usually just working my ass off in the business, but... When I'm not doing that or spending time with my girlfriend or working out, I, you know, I, I open up Twitter and, uh, you know, read the news, talk a little shit, mm -hmm. <laughs> get off. Mm -hmm. That's about it. But talking a little <laughs> shit is exactly why this show exists. So that's perfect. And we're happy. We're happy that happened. Um, so we can now turn to, of course, what we're here to talk about. And I want to yes. lovingly remind both of you that there is no villain. There's no victim on this show. It's just, you know, humans coming together chatting, talking, doing their thing. And Tom, actually something has, this is the first time this has ever happened on this show, but Sean has specifically asked to not know what the comment was until we talk about it right now. So this is very exciting for us. <laughs> yes. 
So the reason, Tom, specifically that I didn't want to know is because what we just talked about to me is the most important, which is getting to know you and hearing your background. So to hear your backstory first was more important because, of course, I didn't have any prior judgments going, oh, Tom said this about my commercial or whatever you did say. Mm -hmm. It was more so I want to know, of course, this person before we get into the real meat, the meat and potatoes of our conversation. Dylan, do we just kind of get into it or are we, I mean, is it like the big reveal or do you want to yeah, get well, right into I, it? I was just like going to. <laughs> Let's get right into it. I'm happy to pull the Band-Aid off here. But in response to that Psychology Today article, Tom, you tweeted, what a loser. Uh-huh. <laughs> and here we are. How dare me? No, 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 no. There's no shaming. There's no shaming. We understand that these platforms encourage negativity. This is what we want. We're all humans. I affirm you both. So, Tom, what made you say that? Uh, so I, I saw the original article was published from uh, Psychology Today, and I wrote, what a loser. Now, what that was in reference to was not the fact that you played a role in that commercial, yeah. and it wasn't even the fact that you were got you got dragged for it in social media, mm-hmm. but what I took issue with was the apology. Now, one thing I don't know, and, I, and I'd like to ask you is, were you approached or were you otherwise directly called for attacked or um, did somebody solicit an apology or an explanation because the way I saw it is you were you, you know you had a role in this commercial and yeah you know, no offense but it was a very kind of a small supporting role I don't even think of you course it was oh no it. no offense taken yeah. at all I mean it was literally yeah, two words and I think expert. five seconds <laughs> oh yeah absolutely yeah well you know when I saw the commercial I didn't really think anything of it. And my, you know, annoyance or eye roll was to the outrage, right, about it, because I thought that's just silly and stupid. And then when people were attacking you, I thought that was silly and stupid. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, but then this is Twitter. (laughs) You know, let's not get too serious about some of this. And then, of course, what I, but what I did take issue with it and and is like the, is the coming out apology, like, I'm so sorry. And in my mind, I don't like the idea of giving into the Twitter mob, so to speak. I think that gives them what they want and kind of fuels that fire. So I'm curious to know, though, Sean, is were you, I did somebody like come after you, approach you, or how'd that play out? Or did you do that unsolicited? What happened? Yeah, Tom, I'm wondering which apology this was. Sorry, I'm a little bit lost at what uh, <laughs> which, which apology? One. Oh, man. I think, Tom, you're specifically referring to what he was saying in the Psychology Today article. Right. It was the, um, I guess it was the apology in that. Yeah, that's what I was referring to. So the Psychology Today piece was written before pretty much any of this had happened. Uh, The commercial was released on the 21st. And so my friend Alex, so we've known each other for 10 years here in Vancouver. We've grown up together. He's a PhD student at UBC and he writes for Psychology Today. So he asked me just as a personal gesture, just to kind of respond to some of the articles and some of the tweets that he had sent me. And because they did They truly, when I started to read them, they blew me away. And I was wondering why, just why, Tom, there was such a big response to this small commercial. And just like you said, my role was almost an extra role. And you could verify that because I only did have two lines or so in my last little um, bit in the commercial is just looking at my wife and that's it. 
And so it is a very, very small role. And so that was why I wrote the Psychology Today piece was not only was it for a friend, but it was kind of for a response into all these things that he had sent me. And it was very easy to write. It was quite straightforward. And I honestly, Tom, did not know it would lead to all of this media. I had no idea. I thought this was it. I was just going to write a response. And the next day, I remember when it was uh, posted, I'd started to receive uh, messages back towards me. And I had a gut feeling. I went, oh my goodness, is this was this the right thing to do? But I had this moment of going, you know what, I'm ready to speak out. And of course, the words that you said, they don't really affect, it doesn't, it was such it was such a small thing that you said, right? It's, I'm not going, oh, right. I'm not it's going Twitter. into my urinal. <laughs> you know, it's Twitter, right? But that's what's interesting as well. Because it's Twitter, does it give power to people saying that, oh, it is okay to say messages like that because it's just Twitter? Maybe. I, actually, I know it sounds silly, but maybe. I, I mean, maybe that's also part of my humor that uh, uh, comes out of my background. I mean, I say worse things yes. to my closest friends. Mm-hmm. So, yes, of course. <laughs> As we all do. <laughs> Tom, we all do. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, no, my, I, I guess that, um, I, I guess, you know, and granted, this is me just kind of scanning, you know, I saw this article, scanned through it very quickly. I'm like, oh my God, come on, man. Yeah. When, I, when yeah. I saw that, and only because... And granted, yeah, I, I hear you, man. I, I guess my take on that would have been more of a, um, hey, I was an actor doing a role in a commercial, you know, uh, fuck off, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, more or less. Now, maybe, absolutely. Maybe, yeah, which, yeah. which I think might have been a, the appropriate response, but then, of course, that could probably just get worse. Yeah, I get it. Totally. Um, yeah. However, and Tom, you know, this, I think that we're just, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to add in there oh. because th- that that's what's interesting about the two worlds that I live in constantly as a teacher and an actor. When I when I am in the public eye, like we are right now doing a podcast, I always have to be extra careful of my words just because of being a teacher as well. Yeah. I don't know if one of my, you know, 10-year-old, 11-year-old or 12-year-old students is listening to me right now. Sure. And so that's the thing. So I I can never be too harsh with my words, even if I might feel them, right. just like you said, as right. because they are easy responses that I can say and I do feel, but am I going to say it? I can't. And that's the thing. So I have yeah, to Yeah, that, use... that makes sense. Now, maybe not use those specific words. Now I feel bad. Dylan, can we bleep this out? Bleep out my problem. <laughs> now, what if Sean's kids are listening? They're you listening know, right now. Bad. Actually, I meant to tell yeah. you, they're well, all on the phone right now here. Surprise. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Sean, your entire class yes. is and here. Tom, Tom, we're going to sing a song for you and it's going to go well. Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah, that's actually the big, the big, um, I I told you both that this wasn't a gotcha podcast, but I wanted to tell you that this actually is a gotcha podcast with um, just a bunch of elementary schoolers (laughs) singing. We're switching genres halfway through. Switching genres. I'm switching my entire voice and platform right now. Um, So, Tom, your problem was not with the commercial. Your problem was more with the response to the commercial. And then I think, and and of course, Tom, please jump in and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but like, then you saw that the, the actor from the commercial responded to it. And just the fact that he responded to it in any other way, other than, you know, to quote you like, you know, fuck that, (laughs) fuck all of you. You were kind of like, oh my God, kind of bowing down to the mob, right? Yes. Yeah. I think it was caving to the mob. And that's one thing that I've, I've definitely learned is, uh, at least in, in my opinion is caving to the mob, unless you're really wrong, 
you know, especially, you know, unless you really made a misstep and Sean, I don't think you did in any way, you know, just by being, yeah. <laughs> just mm-hmm. doing your job, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think yeah. you, uh, uh, did anything wrong, but I think unless somebody did really commit a sin, a real sin, yeah. so to speak, yeah, don't cave to the mob. I, I think, uh, you know, and this is almost giving empathy to members of any mob is that you don't know that you're part of a mob. Like I know that Tom, you were tweeting that in response to a response to the mob. And then unknowingly, you two are joining a different kind of mob by railing against the response to it. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like- Yeah, absolutely. The counter outrage and then the counter counter outrage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, when you wrote this, Tom, you had, I assume, no idea that Sean would ever read it. Pretty sure he wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, but it wasn't, I wasn't afraid of it if he had. Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it is Twitter. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Completely. It's it's this weird thing where we're speaking publicly, but kind of it can feel like we're speaking privately too. Absolutely. Um, what is like the thing about the idea of a mob that upsets you? You know, the mob doesn't really upset me. Mm-hmm. Um. I kind of laugh at it. So I guess for me, it's just kind of like, it's kind of just this eye roll, like, oh my God, people, what is wrong with you? So I guess if that's, you know, me being upset, I, I, I suppose it is. No, well, that's a that's a good correction. But, but I guess what prompts the eye roll for you? I think mobs in general, I, I think there's a lot of folks on there that are just kind of bored and don't have enough going on in their real lives. I think there are a lot of people who have their own preconceived notions of the way the world is. And they and people make uh, emotional formulations or emotional opinions, and then they use whatever facts they can to cherry pick, uh, to use logic and reason to rationalize their opinions. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think we are all guilty of this, myself included, mm-hmm. uh, everywhere. You know, w- mm-hmm. whether that's confirmation bias or mm-hmm. or anything like that. We love to see information that you know that uh, supports whatever that opinion we may have reached on an emotional level. Yeah, I'm certainly guilty of that too. Yeah, and I think that what's interesting is that, you know, someone's political opinion is, people hate to admit it, but is really not formed by reason. It's really formed by your psychological temperament. Yeah, I I also think something that might be universal in what bothers us about mobs is specifically mobs that don't represent something we agree with. Um, we're, we're really good at judging mobs we're not part of and really bad at judging right. mobs we unknowingly are part of, um, if that makes sense. And we attribute a characteristics that are not necessarily true. As totally, well. totally. You know, uh, yeah. and, and, and yeah. Tom, since I know you're more conservative, perhaps seeing a more liberal mob get really angry, I'm sure can prompt more of an eye roll in you as, as is, is, I mean, is that correct? Do you think that's fair? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say that typically it, it seems as though having open conversation is something that most folks on the left appear to be less open to. <laughs> and uh, mm. it's not just that the other side has a bad idea that can and should be proven wrong, but that they themselves are bad, evil people. They are, they must be racist. They must be sexist. They're probably homophobic. And, you know, this kind of idea when it's like, no, that's not actually true. It's so funny because I told you each separately on the phone that I was like, you know, weirdly, this is not a political conversation. And I think it's funny because I actually think (laughs) on the contrary, I was wrong. It is a political conversation because it's about who we attribute the identity of the mob to, Mm -hmm. what mobs we eye roll at, 
what mobs we identify as part of, even if we don't realize that we're part of it. To, to kind of go back to the comment, the commercial, and all that stuff, Sean, do you have any regret of, I guess, two-parter doing the commercial and or writing the Psychology Today piece? Um, so I have absolutely zero regrets doing the commercial. Okay. Love the commercial. I still watch it. I had a great <laughs> day on set those two days. It was. I have Good. no problems with the commercial. I got I got paid quite well to work on the um, set there. I yes. was able to afford a Peloton because of it yes. and you know, finish the story here. I and just so want to say that's exactly the days, what they want. They, they paid you for a Peloton commercial and then you bought a Peloton. Right. That just like an ad in funny? and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? But yeah, no, I always celebrate when another actor gets uh, a commercial or a film or television role, it is a big deal for us Vancouver actors. And it really, I'm, I'm super proud to have that honor of being on set and be the actor for a day. It's something that not a lot of people do get to experience. Um, the Psychology Today piece, I definitely had a moment of regret where I was getting a lot of messages going, oh, was this the right thing to do? Did I articulate myself well? And did I say the right things? I read over the Psychology Today piece. I said yes. And I said, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go back to, of course, teaching tomorrow. And I have, you know, I'm very excited to see my kids again. We're starting basketball, which is always a great sport for everybody. And I'm just, I'm keen. I'm keen to get back at it. So yeah, no regrets. No regrets. And then Tom, do you regret writing that tweet? You know, I'd say that <clears throat> given what I had, you know, the information I saw, I'd say in that moment, and I, I mean, had I pre presented with uh, everything in, no, I wouldn't have regretted in the sense of, you know, me being, you know, doing the, the, the flippant Twitter <laughs> comment. Uh, however, I, you know, however, I'd say that because uh, I do say a lot of flippant things on Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. I would it's say okay. that. Okay. <laughs> we accept. Um, and Tom, yes. Tom, if I could, if I could add in there, I don't think you should have a regret. I think it should always just be something to learn from, whether it be something, a positive thing you learn from, a negative thing that you've learned from it. Everything that we say, of course, we have to be be held accountable for and keeping that mindset as we go throughout our lives into the future and with every choice that we make. Absolutely. And, and I'll tell you as well that uh, I, I don't regret in the fact that had, had I not done that, I wouldn't have gotten yeah. been contacted by Dylan. I wouldn't have done yeah. this, been able to talk to you and, you know, at least on the phone and had That's this right. actually really cool experience. So isn't um, this a great no, experience? It, it That's was, the point, right? Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. Did not even see it. And quite frankly, you know, it wasn't until Dylan uh, shot me a DM that I I, I was I had kind of forgotten about the comment. To be honest, I'm like, what? So this comment? Totally. I'm like, wait, what was yeah. this? I'm like, oh, what did I say? Mm -hmm. oh, I did say that. I guess I did. I know it's <laughs> but, that weird uh, thing that no, we. Was, I was just gonna say that um, this is the weird and terrifying paradox of the internet, which is that we forget about everything we've written, but of course, it's in a public forum. Yes. Um, right. So now that we're kind of winding it down, wrapping up the call, are there any um, final questions you have for each other or final things you want to say? If you want to get out of the cold, Sean, uh, come <laughs> on down to Orange County. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I just, I recently went down to Los Angeles actually, and I was like, man, it is just, the weather here is just so much nicer. I mean, yeah. I'm looking outside right now. It's gray and cloudy and raining. And I mean, that's just Vancouver in a nutshell, but yes, I happily accept that offer, Tom. That would be amazing. <laughs> I got to say that uh, this whole experience has been actually, not only has been very enjoyable and honestly, just overall, I feel like so much better for it. It's great. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, oh, and and th- absolutely. thank you, Sean, for uh, tolerating my uh, my mean tweet. <laughs> and, and, uh, and Dylan, like, th- and, and thank you for uh, putting something like this together. This is great. Listen. And uh, I think what you're doing, Dylan, is fantastic. It really is, and we need more. We need we need more people like you. Oh well, uh, what if I did this just for that compliment? I cut out everything you guys have yeah. said <laughs> before this moment, and I just got, it's actually a, a very short episode. It's it's just Tom's compliment. Yes, um, no, I, I really do appreciate that. And um, I guess with that said, you guys, it's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Dylan. Um, thank you for hosting us. Of course. And Tom, thanks to you. It was great to meet you today. It was great to talk to you, and I really appreciated your voice and opinions. It was awesome. Thanks so much, Tom. Pleasure. Thanks, Sean. Bye, guys. Typically, the episode ends there. We hang up, we call it a day, and go about our respective lives. But as I was editing this episode, I kept thinking about what had sparked Tom to make his comment in the first place. And as you just heard, it was the Psychology Today article, specifically the fact that Sean had apologized in it. Now, I went back to the article and read it like five times to make sure, but there was no apology. After kicking myself a few times for not catching this on the call and bringing it up in the conversation, I considered maybe just recording a voiceover postscript where I fact-checked this and ended it by saying something snarky, like, listener, there was no apology in the article. But that's not in the style of this show, because Tom wouldn't have been able to respond to that. So what I did is I sent Tom a final cut of this episode so that he could hear it, and then I called him. Hey. Hey, hey. So, Tom, you, you've now listened to a cut of your part of the episode. How are you feeling about it? Uh, I feel pretty good. I thought it was funny. Okay, good. So, when you identified what annoyed you about the Psychology Today article, you said that you didn't like that Sean was, like, caving to the mob and apologizing, right? Yeah, I think it was. And I, I think I'd said before that anything less than defiance is some sort of caving. It's feeding the bear, so to speak. Um, We'll come back to that in a moment. But... You know, I've gone back to the article a bunch of times, but there's no direct apology. And I would say, if anything, he, like, expresses a curiosity about the mob. But I didn't want to record a postscript where I just say that and kind of, like, fact check you. I wanted you to be able to respond to it. So what do you make of that? Is it something that you misread? What do you think? Well, I think that a lot of times, you know, with a lot of these articles, they kind of tell you up on the front in in the subtitle, it kind of predisposes you to tell you how you're supposed to interpret it. Mm -hmm. And I definitely, when I got it, it seemed as though he was saying, I really hope this doesn't affect my career negatively, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I I think it was more about, um, you know, kind of, kind of saying to the, to the mob, you know, uh, please don't hurt my career. (laughs) You know, I'm a good guy, I swear. Yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the subtitle now. It says Peloton Husband Speaks Out. Actor Sean Hunter offers his view on being involved in a criticized ad. And I certainly I mean, just to be totally transparent, I mean, I know that I uh feel very swayed by headlines. And guess what? Yeah. I want to confess something to you, which is that I have read headlines and then formed opinions <laughs> about what is in the article. <laughs> so um this is my confession to you. So I mean, one thing to bring up, and to your credit, you're the one who brought it up on the call, but it's the sense of confirmation bias and yeah. the fact that we all do it. And, you know, using myself as an example, I know that when I'm reading a 
piece that seems to be critical of conservatives, I will think that I know the what the rest of the piece says. Sure. You know, and it's it's not just political. Like if if it's critical of anyone who I'm already critical of, yeah. then I'm like Great, I know what it says, and I pat myself on the back and take a little walk in my top hat. They're um, giving you red meat, and they're telling yes, you what you want to hear. Totally. And yeah. so I wonder, and, and I'll let you define this so that I'm not putting words in your mouth, uh-huh. but I wonder if there was a sense of confirmation bias for you in that you, you, you came in expecting something, and it wasn't what was actually in the article, but as you said, you read between the lines and found it in the article. Yeah. But do you think that's part of it? Yeah, oh, I think confirmation bias is, uh, you know, I mean, we, we all fall victim to it, and, and I think it's very possible, I mean, actually even likely, that I kind of read into it a little bit more than maybe I, than maybe that Sean had intended me to. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything weird about that. I think that you yeah. you behaved in the way that the internet expects you <laughs> to behave, you know? <laughs> um, so, so in fact, right. I would say you did everything right. <laughs> right, um, yeah. I mean... One thing I'm curious about is do you feel like your political views color this at all? Not like because conservative, therefore confirmation bias, but in the same way that because I'm very much, you know, on the left, I feel that confirmation bias colors my views in a certain way. So do do you feel like you were especially upset at what you perceived to be a woke left-leaning mob? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In, in a word, yes, I, I think so. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. whenever something like this happens, you know, and this is one of those little um, issues that kind of pops up, it gets everyone's attention for a few days or a few weeks, and then it kind of falls off. And then we're now we're on to the next outrage. And uh, yeah, I think absolutely that given the fact that, you know, I obviously I lean right on most things mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, I, I think it's certainly possible that I kind of came in interpreting a certain way, like, oh, here we go again, mm-hmm. you know, and that was, and I, I think that's where, where uh, it initially came from. And one thing I got to say is that this whole experience with the call and the podcast and everything like that has totally changed my opinion mm-hmm. on it and <laughs> my opinion of Sean. And wow. I'm like, this is fantastic. Yeah, it was great. I'm glad that it changed your perspective on Sean, but my my secret hope is that perhaps it also made you consider the mob differently. Like, do do you think differently about that at all? Yeah, I think I do. Absolutely. And, and there are some times where it's like, uh, maybe I should just put my phone down. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. I think, <laughs> you know, Tom, that is, you, so, that's the new tagline of this show. Maybe I should put my phone down. Well, yeah. and I don't mean that in a critical way to you. You know, I just think it's like, yes, of course, I, I will agree that I think there's a group of people who use progressivism as a weapon to kind of prove their own purity almost. It's like a religion. Yes. I would say I think that's totally fair. I think in a lot of ways there are religious qualities to it. Yes. That being said, because I am of that side, I'm also able to differentiate and say like, oh, well, there are people who are like really good faith activists who are falsely lumped into that mob. There are people who are actively trying to make change who are falsely lumped into that mob. Whereas it is so much easier for me to identify the failings and the flaws of the anti-woke mob, you know, the like anti-progressive mob. But that's just because I'm not part of it. Right. You know, I, I, I actually say that in a pretty like loving way where I'm like, oh, this is a kind of interesting thing. If we just take a step back from it, look at it together and we're like, huh, well, we're all 
Yeah. Just figuring it out. Yeah. I really just think that's our minds trying to save themselves right. and being like, you're putting too much information <laughs> into me right now. Yeah. So I have to shut down and make really basic reads of people. Mm -hmm. um, so this ability to like see the uniqueness of every single individual person is something I love doing. Yeah. But I love doing it because I have the privilege of doing it because I have the time to do it. And it's like, this is what I do for a living. And people don't have the time for this. It's just easier to shut down and and kind of file people away and into um into buckets almost. Yeah. Yeah, I know I agree. Yeah, it, it definitely yeah, that can happen. That yeah. absolutely can happen. So, so here we are. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> look at us. But I absolutely love this experience and oh, I great. looked at oh yeah, it was fantastic. And uh and yeah, I definitely learned a lot. A whole lot about how, how all this works. Well, this is all we can ask in our sweet little hearts. Um, <laughs> so, Tom, this has been such a pleasure. And, um, yeah, thank you for doing this follow-up call so that uh, we could dig into this a little more. And, sure. And, and I'm, I'm glad you got to be part of the final word so it wasn't just me having the last word. Absolutely. Thank you yeah, so much, Dylan. Of Appreciate course. it. Of course. Well, I will talk to you soon, Tom, okay? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Thanks. I'll talk to you. Bye, Tom. Bye-bye. If you'd like to be a guest on this show or have an idea for an episode, please visit www.conversationswithpeoplewhohateme.com for more information. Conversations with People Who Hate Me is a production of Night Vale Presents. Christy Gressman is the executive producer. Vincent Cascione is the sound engineer and mixer. Emily Newman and Mark Stoll are the associate producers. The theme song is These Dark Times by Caged Animals. The logo was designed by Philip Blackowl with a photo by Mindy Tucker. And this podcast was created, produced, and hosted by me, Dylan Marin. Special thanks to Adam Cecil and our publicist, Megan Larson. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. But until then, remember, there's a human on the other side of the screen. Dark times, and it's hard to take it. But we're gonna make it through these dark times. Make it through these dark times. Make it through these dark times.